Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mark Thompson. Get woke. God bless you. Get woke. Folks, MIP is now COVID free, meaning free to all subscribers as we navigate this pandemic. We're thinking about everyone and we've got to get through this together. So for a limited time, no fee to subscribe to make it plain on your favorite podcast app. Obviously, ladies and gentlemen, a great deal of conversation about this latest revelation that the Russian government has been offering bounties to the Taliban to kill U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The New York Times has reported that the Trump administration was made aware of this by U.S. intelligence, or I guess as they would call it, the deep state. Uh, Nevertheless, they were made aware, uh, and there have been no actions uh, regarding this or or no follow-up, which of course ought to be a great concern to many people. Have two very distinguished people on board with us today to talk about this. Um, I'm going to do my best to introduce them. Um, One is Army 
One is Navy, so hopefully that's not going to turn into a thing uh, between the two of them. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Um, but it's an honor to have them. And let me just say, um, you're also about to hear from two African-Americans um, who achieved great success and rank uh, in the military service. And as we discuss this racial reckoning and as we go through this racial reckoning America is having right now, we do well uh, to hear from African-Americans uh, of their stature and do well to hear from African-Americans in their roles. Let me introduce them both. First of all, uh, he has had 30 years of dedicated uniform service, um, commanding at every level from detachment to brigade, and served as senior intelligence officer at brigade division and corps, in addition to completing myriad other challenging assignments. He served in Korea, Kosovo, Iraq, Haiti, Afghanistan, and uh, culminated his uh, career with an assignment as the G2 18th Airborne Corps and deployment as Deputy J2 Combined Forces Iraq in support of Operation New Dawn. Happy to have with us uh, Colonel Retired J.C.B. Briley, Colonel Briley, welcome to Make It Plain. Thank you for being here, sir. Um, we also have with us one whom you've seen quite popularly on MSNBC, um, former Senior Chief Petty Officer, former Arabic-speaking Naval Intelligence, Counterterrorism and Intelligence Officer, specializing in the Middle East, combat veteran, uh, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape expert, uh, author, historian, uh, 35 years in field and combat intelligence activity, including both covert and clandestine anti and counterterrorism support to national intelligence agencies, member of the Board of Advisors at the International Spy Museum in Washington, Washington D.C., uh, honored as one of the, the noteworthy African Americans in espionage, and featured in the Academy Award-nominated documentary *Dirty Wars*. Uh, MSNBC has itself has labeled him one of the quote unsung national security geniuses of our time. He is presently executive director of the Terror Asymmetrics, Asymmetrics Project on Strategy, Tactics, and Radical Ideologies. Tapestry uh, is the acronym. See uh, Chief Petty Officer Malcolm Nance. Malcolm, good to see you again. Brother, thank you for being here. Always good to be here, Mark. Uh, and let me also fail to mention um, Colonel Briley is the CEO of the JBB Group LLC. So again, welcome to you both. Um, first of all, Colonel Briley, let's just speak in terms of immediate and, and gut reaction. 
when you heard the story that Russia was offering bounties and the Trump administration is aware of this and has yet to say or do anything, what was your reaction? I was astonished by the news. You know, we have our greatest commodity as Americans on the ground in Afghanistan, and those are our service members. And each and every day, we need to do our utmost to protect them. They're America's greatest commodity. And for the administration to remain silent and lack the courage to hold Moscow accountable is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, Malcolm Nance, what, what was your immediate reaction? Well, you know, I got pretty hot, uh, principally because as, as if any of you watch me on MSNBC, you know I'm the counterterrorism analyst. But for the last now going on four years, uh, I've been the sort of Trump national, a Trump national security analyst, uh, principally because I've, I've written three New York Times bestsellers on the Trump administration and how they are just horrible at national security and how Donald Trump appears to be beholden to Vladimir Putin in Moscow. So start right there that, believe me, I don't believe a word that comes out of Donald Trump's mouth. But and I said this on air just yesterday. There has been a lot of intelligence. There have been public reporting uh, through The New York Times and other foreign newspapers that the Russians for the last three years have been creating a weapons and ammunition pipeline to the Taliban in effect to do a reverse, you know, a reverse Afghanistan war uh, the way we did it using the Mujahideen against the Soviet Union, the Russians when they were in Afghanistan in the 70s. So I had heard that, that they would offer bounties, cash bounties, is not so far-fetched. Principally because we really, I mean, two years ago, the Russians tested us in Syria by sending almost 400 mercenaries to seize an oil field that was guarded by uh, a, about a dozen special forces soldiers and a, and a couple of hundred um, Syrian, uh, Syrian Kurds. And without any of them firing a rifle, they killed 250 of these Russian mercenaries using U.S. air power. So that Russia would consider that uh, a, a, a revenge operation where they would fund people doing this, I wouldn't doubt that at all. That Donald Trump claims he didn't know it, that's just a lot. There's just no way within our system he could not know it or he deliberately ignored it or decided that he was going to cover up what he had learned. Yeah. Um, Colonel Briley, um, you served in Afghanistan. Um, how do you think any troops might be feeling after hearing this news? And this is the commander in chief. Can you talk to us about what might be going through troops' minds at this moment? Well, you know, I have the advantage of Reverend to worked in the White House uh, and also, like you said, served in Afghanistan. So I kind of understand both ends of the spectrum, so to speak. And the troops, you know, when, when we go to combat, we have the full faith and confidence in the U.S. government. 
And when news like this comes out, that confidence is shaken. And so they, they lack the trust, they lack the confidence, but now it truly is on the ground. Uh, the chain of command now has to step up on the ground and provide that void where the administration is supposed to provide that confidence. We've always known that the Russians continue to undermine our interests in the Middle East and the Southwest Asia. That's, that's a given. And we know that Moscow continues to provide that financial and material support. But now, uh, material support to the Taliban and, and the other Islamic militants. However, now with the bounty, that takes it to another level because now our heads are on a platter, not only ours and our allies. That's the other thing. And for our administration to deny not hearing this, and like I said, I worked in the White House, so I know that PDB, which is the presidential daily brief, had to be in there. There's no doubt in my mind. And with the uh, intelligence architecture that we have in place, which is one of the best in the world, they had to inform our leadership. Mm -hmm. For our leadership to deny that, it's truly disgusting. Let me make a point here, Mark, real Please. quick. The Colonel's absolutely right. Uh, the intelligence architecture is not designed to let little things like this, even if it's a rumor, okay? Battlefield rumor, you know, bizarre, you know, talk down at the souk, uh, you know, these are the sort of little tidbits that we get all the time. Uh, but, you know, the world that I come from, which is this sort of weird, you know, signals intelligence, you know, monitoring communications and, you know, human intelligence where you're actually talking to people on the street because I look like them and we, they trust us, okay? That fuses together into this, you know, all source intelligence that the colonel is, a, is an expert in, where we get pictures, we find caches of large, extremely large quantities of money of $100 bills that were taken out by the Russian Central Bank, for example, because we know where every one of those bills are. And these sort of things, when they get put together into one picture, there is a special flash traffic communication system at each agency that pushes that information to the president within 10 minutes in a report where they verify after doing a, a special mission where they find money from a financier and they interrogate these Taliban militants who are like, yeah, we kill you guys, we get X number of dollars and it comes from our special friends who speak Russian. That should have been in the hands of the president within that 10 minutes. That is a, that is a fundamental change in the political dynamic between two nuclear powers. Mm. And, you know, no one's going to not say that to the president, even if they put it in the PDB. That should have been read to him uh, when it was first found out. So there's no way he can deny knowing this, is what you're well, saying? He can, yeah, he can deny knowing it. He, he, can, he, he can't deny being told or being informed because of the system you just laid out. Well, I was on with the New York Times uh, reporter who broke this story, Charlie Savage, yesterday, and he said very clearly, they are dancing around the word briefed, okay, as opposed to spoken about or told or, you know, uh, handed to on a piece of paper. You know, they're using the phrase brief as if the CIA or the DNI uh, briefer came in and specifically read him all the particulars of this or if it was in the, the presidential daily briefing. 
doesn't matter. The information went to the, the top authority. I'd like to hear the colonel's thoughts on that. Yeah, he so, yeah, so Reverend, like Malcolm was saying, uh, and, and you got to keep in mind, this took place several months ago. This yes. just didn't happen. It's just hitting the press now. This took place several months ago when it was probably briefed or told to the commander-in-chief. But even prior to that, there were underlying information and reports coming to more and more verify what has taken place. So we're, we're talking of a scenario of over six, almost eight months. So this just didn't happen. And in the meantime, the commander-in-chief is still having conversations or dialogue with Putin. Hmm. No mention of it, no threats. There's a range of there's a range of actions that should have taken place. But I'd like to go back briefly on the question you asked, what do you think about our service members on the ground? Think about what's going on in their minds, especially our, minor, our minority service members. They already are dealing with the COVID-19, worried about their relatives back home. Okay. Too many have died because of that, as we both know. They're thinking about the economic hardships. Too many have lost jobs. All this is going on in their mind. And then on top of all that, the recent Black Lives Matters movement, the racial mm -hmm. injustice. So you've got all that on those soldiers, uh, sailors, Marines, on their minds. And, and now we've got this, this Putin bounty saga going on. It, it, it's, and, then, and then, you know, the, the war continues on. And so you've got that on their minds. And now we have a government that's not even supportive of them. And, and, and playing like they're not even informed of what's going on. Gentlemen, uh, speaking of COVID, let me just depart for just a second. Um, is, is there any knowledge, because you talked about COVID and troops being concerned about that, but do we have any information as to whether or not troops deployed are, are suffering at all from COVID themselves? Do we even know? Yeah, we, 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 we do know. I mean, the, the first major case was the, the, the outbreak on, uh, you know, the USS uh, Roosevelt, I believe it, in, uh, in Yokosuka, Japan. They've had over a thousand sailors were sick with COVID-19. It took an aircraft carrier out of operation for the most part because of that. But what you're not hearing about are the cases that are happening on Army bases, Marine Corps stations, uh, principally because... Um, early on, they weren't doing anything because they didn't receive orders to do anything. There was a lot of joking around on the military web, you know, on, on military Twitter, about, where people were saying, hey, we don't have any masks, and family members were making them up and sending them to them. Now, of course, you know, uh, now that they understand the seriousness of it, it's being taken seriously, at least as far as I can, I can tell. But they still have to do their day job. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, uh, Colonel J.C. Bradley, you were talking about what the commanders in the field have to do to address morale. But still, that has to be very difficult under these circumstances, because so, where do those commanders get their morale from now? Right. Oh, it's a definitely a challenge, because now those commanders are looking up above them and like, whoa, who has my back? What, what are we doing here? What do I pass on to my subordinates? How do I make them feel confident? How can I make them motivated to continue on with the daily mission? And so it's very, very challenging. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, does this further um, 
confirm your hypothesis, if not um, proof <laughs> that Trump is an agent, uh, unwitting or otherwise, of Vladimir Putin? Well, I have to clarify some of the terminology here because, you know, I hear I get this from the right wingers all the time that I call Donald Trump a, a, a Russian agent. Agent is an actual technical term of art. That is a person who is actually in pay of a foreign power who has signed a contract and knows that he is a, 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 an officer, that, a person that collects information and returns it to a trained intelligence officer. Donald Trump, the, the problem is when you look at Donald Trump and, and you, you know that Vladimir Putin is a trained intelligence officer. He's technically the spy in chief of Russia and he is handling an American president in such a way that, um, that this president is not just deferential to him, he's obsequious. And, and that means, by the way, slavishly devoted to, to, to Vladimir Putin to the point where he has put U.S. interests behind Russia's interests many, many times. Um, you know, and that's why he's and his staff are claiming ignorance on this one, because the other side of this is not ignorance, it's treason. And, and when you consider that, you know, I never say that, you know, he's a traitor either. He, he's betrayed the country. I have a whole book called, you know, The Plot to Betray America, but principally because he cares more about money than he does anything else. And I jokingly said when I heard this article, this story that they were paying bounties, well, was Donald Trump getting a cut? Well, hmm. you know, the way that he thinks his, you know, his making Vladimir Putin happy um, is supersedes the lives of American citizens. And so in his mind, this is a no, you know, it's the sort of thing he'll say, ah, those liberals in the military did this. Well, you know, Donald Trump, by the way, has a 48 percent disapproval rating in the military. I think his approval rating is like in the mid 30s, about where it is nationally. You know, military people don't like stupid people. We don't suffer fools gladly. Stupid gets you killed. Yeah. All right. And uh, and so when you're when you're when you're that kind of personality, you 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 understand that people like Donald Trump, they're they're the ultimate idiot that will get you killed. What's gonna? I can tell you. I'm gonna make a quick prediction. You can turn it over to the colonel. Here's what's going to happen at the at the troop level and the sailor and marine level, they're going to start making jokes about Donald Trump. They already have. Negative <laughs> jokes, right? They're going to be calling him, you know, Moscow Don and how much is your about? They'll be talking, they'll, they'll create patches that says, you know, $7.98. And when somebody points to it, they'll say, what's that? They'll go, oh, that's my bounty. <laughs> I mean, that's the way we manage stupid. When it comes from the senior chain of command, we make jokes of it. But it's an indicator to people like me. I was senior NCO, and it would be my job to report up to, to the colonel bad things on the way. And jokes like that, which bolster morale, are also signs of a corrupted chain of command because they will lose faith in whoever's giving those orders and the officers above that pass them down. Yeah. Reverend, let me let me pick it back on something that, that Malcolm stated too. And I don't I don't think most Americans really don't understand or get this. 
Putin was a trained human agent, a trained one. He's a retired lieutenant colonel, trained in the GRU, well experienced. So he's running circles around our commander in chief, which is sad. He's running circles around. And, and so you have that going on. And then, oh, by the way, our commander in chief is putting, of course, his equity you know, far beyond what his equity should be, which is the American country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And can I, one last point, Mark, about the Putin. I went to his office that's it, that was formerly East Germany in the city of Dresden when I researched my last book. I wanted to feel the collection environment that he had as a trained human intelligence officer. Uh, There's a small little villa on the north side of Dresden that survived the firestorm and everything. This guy's job was to make traitors out of people who came from the West. And the fat old guys in his office didn't like to go out in the field. So young Vladimir Putin, new KGB, you know, baby intelligence officer, that guy turned a lot of people, mm. all right? He loved it. And they found the record book of his, you know, activities with the East German Stasi. But when East Germany collapsed, you know what the first thing he did? Everybody filled their cars with sausages and food and drove back to Moscow. He went and got the book of turned agents that East German intelligence had done. And they say in the post-war, in the post-collapse, he used it to blackmail people. Wow, wow. So now we've got a president of the United States under, under his belt. So, so to be clear, and I know he's not an agent by your definition, no. but, but refresh my memory on the spectrum. It stars okay. the idiot. And starting, it from the way bottom, up. starting from the bottom, all right, you have a useful idiot. Okay, right. that's like Glenn Greenwald. These guys who all praise Russia because they lived there for a while, and they think that they understand Russia. In fact, they're doing Russia's bidding. They're too stupid to see that they are actually doing Russia's bidding, right? That's a useful idiot. The next level there is an unwitting asset. That's a person who is doing favors and activities for them, but they may think that they're doing it for Israel under a false flag. They may think that they're doing it for Britain. Next comes a winning asset. And this is where I think Donald Trump sits. I said, I've said this for four years nonstop. On July 27, 2016, he became a winning asset. He knew Russia was working in his interest. And when he called Russia, if you're listening, please release Hillary Clinton's emails. It became a two-way street. He, he didn't care that it was a Russian foreign intelligence agency. They had something he wanted, and he was going to work with them to get it. Now, no contract. The Mueller report found the exact same thing, that he was aware and benefited from it. But, you know, uh, but I'd never say until I see his contract. But, you know, the thing with Donald Trump is he teeters so close to being an agent. He acts like it. As if, you know, when we find out that he has a billion dollars or something that he owes Russia, that's the day that I'll say straight up he's a traitor and that he's an agent. And that he's an asset. Um, Colonel Briley, um, and I think you and I kind of talked a little bit about this offline the last time we were together at, at one of the ministers' conferences in the D.C. area. Um, there's even more discussion nowadays about what happens if Donald Trump tries to cancel the election, cancels it, loses won't leave office. Are are we are we headed toward a confrontation between 
Donald Trump and the military itself? No, and let me tell you that now I can put my other hat on that my time in the White House and working on the White House staff. Okay. When you're in the military, you, you, you work for the office of the presidency. You don't work for the individual that's occupying that position. You work for the office of the presidency. So a big difference. So according to the Constitution, the 20th Amendment, on the 20th day of January, which is coming up, there's only can be one president. All federal agencies in the military takes those orders from that president. So let's run the scenario. Trump loses the White House. Someone else comes in. They only take orders from one person. And, and Trump is gone. Yeah. And so technically, he can be declared a criminal. And his constitutional authority is gone and can be charged with criminal activity by mm -hmm. remaining in that position or yep. occupying the White House. Mark, yes. let, me, let me follow up on that. Um, the system, and this is what vexes Donald Trump. This is what's getting him. There is a system and there are laws and there are faith and, you know, people who are beholden to this system. And like you said, Here's some of the things that, that you're not going to notice that are going to happen whether Donald Trump wants to do or not, right? About three weeks before, you know, the uh, inauguration, if he loses the election and Joe Biden becomes president, the movers are coming to the White House, <laughs> okay, for his, you know, for his, uh, you know, his, uh, his PCS, his permanent change of station move. They will say, hey, we're coming on this date and we will move whatever you designate, but it must be moved, right? It's gotta move out of the White House. The Secret Service, the minute Joe Biden gets his nomination, and you know, there was this talk just yesterday that the Democrats should just do an informal virtual nomination today, and Joe Biden could be the Democratic nominee, which means he goes back, he still has right now Secret Service protection, but, he will go to presidential level Secret Service protection the day he's nominated. And he will start getting, Joe Biden right now gets his top secret SCI PDB level briefs, but then he will be getting all of the same intelligence as Trump for the most part once he becomes the nominee. No one is going to stop doing that because now it will be fascinating there, Colonel, if, if they, if Donald Trump orders people not to do this. Well, you know, it's funny you should bring that up because as we speak right now, both the Trump administration and some of the designated administration for Biden have already started, they're supposed to, according to the calendar, have already started collaboration on transfer. That has yeah. to go on. Just like Malcolm was saying, there's certain things that have to take place even as we're speaking right now. And in the month of June, things have already started to transition. And I heard from, from one source, it, it's been a struggle with the, with the Trump administration doing some of those, they'll taking some of those actions. Well, you know, that's because they got a bunch of high schoolers running. You yeah. know, I'm not joking. Kids who are yeah. just out of college running right. major parts of the executive office building, and they can barely find where the Starbucks is, uh, much less, you know, you know, do transition level briefings because they don't know anything. But I'll tell you one thing. The minute that Joe Biden, if if he wins, God, you know, 
uh, inshallah, as they say in the Middle East. Inshallah. Uh, the, the minute he wins, the if whether Donald Trump comes to the inauguration or not, that system will change. Joe Biden will be president of the United States. And unless there's a coup d'etat where the Secret Service decides they're siding with Trump as a person and they're going to, you know, the system and the, the, the laws and the oath to the Constitution be damned, then he's going to be escorted out of the building. I mean, no, they're going to literally put him on an airplane and fly him to Mar-a-Lago, uh, but his security team will transition instantly, whether he wants to or not. The military will nullify his, his biscuit, right? His nuclear command codes instantly. That stuff is going to happen. It's going. And one thing I want to add to that, Malcolm, we talk about the Secret Service protection. So now his whole family gets covered. When he leaves That's office, crazy. only he has coverage. None of his, his wife doesn't have coverage, the first lady, nor his kids. It's just the president once they leave office. So now, um, what you all have any insight on what happened when the military commander who followed him on that little church jaunt he did, when he sashayed across the street to the church, um, and then that military commander later apologized. I forget his name. General Milley. General Milley, yeah. You all have any insight as to what made him change his position so publicly? Well, I think what happened, and Malcolm can uh, attest to this, is uh, how he got there. His former mentors and, and supervisors said, hey, wh what are you doing? What are you doing? First yeah. of all, you're representing all the services. He's the chairman. And, and now you've politicalized this whole situation. You got to stay in your position, stay in your role. Yep. So I think he received numerous phone calls to go out and say, hey, you need to change your position, not not tomorrow, but today. And that's why he came out with that statement in order, because it's all about the chain of command. And, and, and the thing we had talked about earlier, we have good leaders in the military across the board. And so when we have hear about these bounties and everything, these leaders in the military are going to step up. I have I have all the faith and confidence. They're going to step up. All across all the ranks. We've got very good leadership. I put military leadership against administration all day long. And just and just yeah. like Joe Mathis said, they lack the administration lacks mature leadership. I don't think it's even mature leadership. They just lack leadership one on one. Yeah. Yeah. Amateur. Yeah, uh, well, I, I actually wrote an update to my to, to the plot to betray America which was a challenge because every day something crazy happened that I in national security. Uh, so I stopped it with the, uh, the, the, the the rioting and the protests and all that. General Milley was tricked to come to the White House that day. He was over at the FBI getting a briefing, and he wasn't supposed to be at the White House. The Secretary of Defense called him, Esper, and said, they need you over here right now, which is why he was in uh, his BDUs, his battle dress uniform. And normally, you go to the White not normally, you never come to the White House in BDUs. In BDUs. You're always in Class A, right? You're always in your, your top uniform. And they told him to be there as quickly as possible. He got there, and then they did that walk. Well, the other thing, let me add one thing, Malcolm, to that was yeah. 
he was told he was going to engage some of the National Guard. So to right. make them feel comfortable, he went in his battle dress fatigues. But go ahead, Malcolm. Yeah. And but the week before, Donald Trump had said um, on to the and during a call to the governors, you're going to be seeing a lot of General Milley. General Milley, I'm putting him in charge of taking care of all of this stuff. He's a tough guy. He's won all, all his wars, no losses. And, you know, from what I understood, General Milley was flabbergasted. He was like, wait, what? I'm taking charge of putting down the protests in the United States? And that's when, you know, it got to him that same day when, it, you know, the media was in his face in Lafayette Square. He's watching the National Guard medical evacuation Lakota helicopters being used for riot suppression. And, uh, you know, I think what happened to General Milley is quite simple. He got Jesus. I mean, he, he just, he found Constitution Jesus, with the one that, that he swore an oath to, to defend the United States and not be political. And he came right out. And by doing that and saying the, in the letter to the armed forces that you work for the Constitution only and the people of the United States, he, I suspected he thought he'd be out of a job that same day. He did. But you know what? As chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, like, like Colonel said, you represent all the armed forces. The armed forces are not a vehicle to attack the American public. And that's why, between him and Esper, all those uh, active duty Army units from Fort Bragg and Fort Drum were pulled out within days. Let me speak on that, Reverend. Yeah. So we had both of those former units I was assigned to. They had a unit from the 82nd, Fort Bragg, and then a unit from 10th Mountain. Now, let me yeah. tell you about those, those units. Those units, their primary mission is designed to kill. Kill people. They're there to kill people, kill the enemy. And now we're going to activate them to, to, to arrest our, our, our American citizens? Wrong. Mm. Wrong. So, so, so let me just ask, what should happen with this issue of bounty? Is this more in a congressional investigation? And Malcolm, let me start with you. What would you say should be the actions that the other branch of government should be taking with this information? Or is there actually something that the military branch can do to assert it, it, its own reaction or protocol with this type of information. Well, believe me, they're going to call in the they're going to call in General Milley because he's chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and they can also call in all of the subordinate commanders. Whether Donald Trump allows them to go or not to, and creates a constitutional crisis is an entirely different matter. But I think at this point, um, you know, Secretary Esper won't go if ordered, although he should. Um, you know, uh, he, he should absolutely understand, make it clear to the president that he's responsible to Congress. Congress is the third of the government that literally is representative of the people. And uh, I, you know, I know, I know some of the people who'll be carrying that out. So do you, you know, the kind of inquiries that they're going to want to have. And the questions are going to be straight. Have you ever heard this report? Do you have intelligence on this? And they're going to go, yes. And they're going to go, is did you warn in theater at all levels of special operations that there was a bounty on their heads? And they're going to go, yes. I mean, it's a simple yes and no answer. You can't dance around this. And they're going to say, do you believe U.S. service members were killed? 
Did you receive any intelligence reports from Afghan militants that you captured that they killed Americans and got paid? And they're going to go, yes. And then at that point, the administration, well, we already know you can't believe a man who's got 20, who is literally the most documented liar in history. Mm -hmm. That's a fact. Yeah. Donald Trump. Um, Colonel Brawley, do you want to respond to that? And let me just ask this in this context, too. So from my understanding, intelligence officials informed the administration of the bounty. Um, when would the Joint Chiefs, if at all, have been informed? How does that work? Does intelligence go to the administration and the military? It should, it should be simultaneously on both, parallel. So, so while, while Congress is getting informed, DOD should be getting informed, and it works both ways. Now, what should they be doing? Well, strategically, you have sanctions, you have diplomatic warnings, and then, then one big thing he could do right away is like, Putin, you're not coming to the G7 conference. Done. But he invited him. He invited him, right? <laughs> yeah. this, now this is now he invited him. What? Just about a month ago. And yeah. how long ago did I tell you we learned about this bounty? What? At least three. March. March. There you go. There you go. So that's at that level. And then we come down to the tactical level. First and foremost, we need to look at our, our what we call ROE, our rules of engagement, because of what's changed on the ground. And then second, we've got to change our targeting priorities. Yep. We've got to go after these. This, Islamic militants and, and the Taliban leadership. So will those priorities change on the ground anyway? Are there, uh, is there a chain of command on the ground, regardless of what Donald Trump does, that just puts that in place right away? Absolutely. On us, we got to yeah. do Absolutely. It's just like I went back to say, we've got good leadership. Okay. okay. We've okay. got great leadership on the ground. They're going to do the right thing. They're going to do the right thing to protect our young, our, our, our service members on the ground, period. And, and you there's a global military piece here when you look at the relationship with Putin because he puts everybody in danger. He wants to dismantle NATO and right. that military Our allies. Absolutely. So th this is just, I mean, when you look, when you look at the whole thing universally, it's just one uh, a turbine of chaos after another to ultimately undermine everything. But think about it now. It's not chaos. Because who's handling him? Putin. This is right up. This is what Putin wants you to divide. It's not chaos to him. It's chaos to us. Right, right. Especially <laughs> those who don't understand what's going on. But right. It's not chaos to the Russians or Moscow. Right. They Mark. know exactly what they want to do and how they want to do it. Yeah. yeah. Mark, you recall my, sec my second book was called The Plot to Destroy Democracy. Yes, and sir. That's, that is literally a book about how Putin organized this global anti-democratic movement that he's leading. He's funding right-wing fascist conservative governments all across Europe and the West. The United States, is we're actually late to the game. Donald Trump was supposed to be the Western pillar, the American pillar, to overturn the international order, which used to be Washington, European liberal democracies versus the world. Now it's Moscow, Washington, European conservative conservative governments, and Putin himself said it. Liberal, he said, liberal democracy is a failed ideology. And dot, 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 what he didn't say was, 
We want to replace that with fascist oligarchy. Donald Trump wants to be part of that system. Yeah. And Vladimir Putin has had, look, it's a KG, he's an ex-KGB officer who is executing a strategic plan that is Soviet. It's it's from the Soviet Union, only now it's run by ex-communists who are billionaire evil geniuses, if you want to put it in that respect. And they now have got a president of the United States under their belt, uh, and they are showing the world that American liberal democracy was essentially dismantled in less than four years. And why should you be with them? Well, you know, if I were speaking of that geopolitical uh, balance using the military, and I I was asked this two years ago at a Washington Post forum, what would I do? Here's what I would do. Okay, they make me director of national intelligence, which is never going to happen. Although I am more qualified than the last two guys who had that job, Grinnell and uh, this Ratcliffe. Um, uh, you know, some of my watch sergeants or, or watch petty officers are more qualified. But if I were to say, have any one strategic policy, we would have to go back to essentially a counter ideology war. We would have to go back to the Cold War, mm-hmm. where we would have to pit Western democracy to now stop all the economic, political, personal intelligence machinations of the Russian, you know, oligarch federation worldwide. And you know what that would, that's what Putin's doing by releasing mercenaries. That's why he's putting bounties. Here's what I would do, job one. I would put five times the bounty on any Russian intelligence officer found in Afghanistan and their liaisons. And I just say, hey, you want to play this game? We got way more money. You put a million dollars up, I'm putting five million on your head. Turn in your collect, turn in your handler, and I will pay you cash money, no questions asked. I've actually had to say that in the, in the course of my duties in the Middle East. And let me tell you something, that talks, and I don't pay U.S. dollars, I use gold. Um, and that, again, plays into what you described earlier, the Cold War, because Soviet Putin is still uh, retaliating for the Mujahideen and the Soviet-Afghan war and yes. all. Yes. Right. So plus what happened in Syria, like Malcolm was saying, what happened in Syria. So basically, right now, you know, the score is two to one. You know? mm. And so they, 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 want, they want to reverse that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, this has been an honor. Lastly, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you two military brothers, have you seen uh, Spike Lee's movie on Netflix yet, The Five Bloods, either of you? No, no. Too busy. I, I, and I, I haven't finished it myself, but it's very interesting. Is, that, is it about Vietnam? About Vietnam, correct, correct. Is it based on the book Bloods? Uh, you know, I'm not sure, Malcolm, to be honest with you. Yeah, that was a, a military history of African-Americans in Vietnam. No, I don't, I don't think so. He has a lot of history in there from what I've seen. But okay. maybe next time you guys have a chance to look at him, we can talk about that too. But I think it's important to hear your voices at this moment, especially at this moment of, of, of reckoning. Um, well, well, let me ask you this, though, in, in closing, since we're in this moment of reckoning. Um, do either of you feel that African-Americans are getting more and getting better opportunities in the military today than let's say they were um, before either of you uh, left active duty. 
Well, I'll let the colonel go first because yeah, it's worse. Reverend, it's worse. <laughs> let me let me give you an example. In my career field, we haven't had a general officer in the Army Intelligence for close to 30 years. And if you were to match my record with over, I'd say 75% of the current general officers in military intelligence, their career is second to none worse than mine. So, I mean, it's, it's worse um, for a number of different reasons. I won't get into it today, but the opportunities are not there. They only promote folks that look like them, act like them, talk like them, um, mm. and it's gotten worse. And, and, mm. and uh, I've had several discussions with a, a lot of the Army leadership, and uh, we've got to do a way better job, and it's called building a bench. You got to create them. You got to make them. If you don't, if you don't put the time and effort, there won't be. And that's what the Army's got to that state. I think we only have one, one African American four star in the Army today. One, hmm. four star. That's that's sad state of affairs, especially when you talk about numbers. And like I said, we have zero in military intelligence in the Army. No general officers. Haven't had one in 30 years. That's criminal. That's criminal. I'll turn it over to Malcolm. That's yeah. a whole different topic that I could talk all day on. Well, I, I'm glad you're talking about how it is today. When when I came in in 1980 or thereabouts, um, I and I came into a very very highly specialized world, right? Cryptology, code breaking, um, which you know uh, is is smaller. The smallest component of the entirety of the of the naval intelligence community. Uh, the Army is a little more, is a little better at, at that. I can tell you how many African-Americans I saw in the first five years. Three. And I knew them all. So, you know, one was a communicator. Another one was an Arabic linguist. Uh, you know, this, this older brother who he just laid low. This guy wouldn't make any waves. He wouldn't do anything. And here I am. You know, I come in. I'm very good at my game. I want to take every mission. Uh, you know, I do every operation there is. And, you know, by the time I left the military, I could tell you uh, in, in 2001, in the run up to 9-11, I could tell you how many Arabic speaking, including one guy who was, was raised in Saudi Arabia, who I told many times, quit, get out, go to the CIA. You're in the wrong agency because they will at least use you. Um, at that time, when I left, there were six. So it had doubled over 20 years. But we faced some pretty harsh racism. Um, if you're interested in more, Mark, this this week, on the second, we're doing, a, the Spy Museum's doing a, a discussion on race and intelligence with some former CIA officers and, and uh, NSA people and me, um, which I call Black Spies Matter. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, I would like to think that within the war on terrorism, it got better. And now, Colonel, you're making me cry. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. It's very sad. So, so when we see uh, the new black uh, Air Force chief of staff, I mean, that's yeah. just position. But and people see that and they think, oh, you know, a thing must be. But but what you're saying is when you look at the whole picture, it's really not. It's really not. Yeah, few and far between. I think 
you know, the military is this stovepipe world where, you know, the phrase central casting means a lot to them, right? Mm. So, mm. I, whether you look like a flag officer or not. You know, I, I, I remember meeting two Marine generals and they looked like exactly what I expected Mar African-American Marine generals to look like, right? They just terrified me. <laughs> and, but the rest of the armed forces, I mean, even though the, the Air Force Chief of Staff, you know, technically, why isn't he Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff right. next, you know, in the next administration? It's not just about equal opportunity. It's also supposed to be merit-based. Right. And I put it, Mark, you've seen it. I put it, Colonel, I put in a lot of time, a lot of time. Uh, when I retired pre-9-11, I had 36 medals or ribbons, right, including two combat action ribbons, which were unheard of for cryptologists, right? And I had created this whole program that put cryptology in special in Navy special warfare. And to this day, I get people who call me fake, who go through my, they the, the right wing requisition my DD-214 so that they could go through it medal by medal, award by award, action by action, and say, you didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Even this day, you got to go up against that. But you have, you know, guys like Jack Posobiec, who was the guy who created Pizzagate and, uh, you know, and was kicked out of the Navy uh, and made your analysis officer. He works for OANN News, One American News Network. He's one of Trump's favorites. That's how it works against us. With the old phrases, we got to work five times as hard to get, you know, half as far. And yeah, women, women do actually have a little bit of a leg up, I think, but it depends on what the, the activity is. But it's still not equal. It's, and and I, I would, would like to think that we could get smart people in there who could help. I mean, uh -huh. uh, Reverend, in this day and time, I was still breaking the glass ceiling. My last, out of my 30 years of active duty service, my last 15 years, I was in positions as the first African-American to have that position. That's that's mm. that's every that's, time, right? Every time, every, every time. time, folks. We want to thank our very special guests today, and so appreciate the expertise. Uh, and we're also grateful for their service, especially as African Americans. We have a long history of service to the military. That's why we ought to be respected, and that's why our lives should matter as much as anyone else's. Colonel retired J.C.B. Briley. He's the CEO at the J.B.B. Group, LLC, a global uh, defense technology provider. Uh, and also uh, our brother Malcolm Nance, not only on MSNBC, but he's the executive director of Tapestry, author of The Plot to Destroy America and The Plot to Destroy Democracy. Uh, gentlemen, again, thank you for your service, and, and we appreciate you both. Let's do this again sometime. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you both. All right. God, you are our refuge. Send our ancestors to guard our doors. Cast out this virus from our communities and our bodies. Heal, bless, and protect everyone listening and their loved ones. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If all minds are clear, it has been Made Plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.